Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And on this show, as you know, normally we're discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter, but today we're back with another mini episode uh, reading from the Dune Encyclopedia. Once more. Once more unto the breach. with info. Just yes. all the information <laughs> you could ever possibly want. Yes, we're a couple little uh, encyclopedias browns. <laughs> I don't know really what the plural for that would be. Encyclopedias brown? Yeah. Or encyclopedia so. browns. If you're talking about the person, I think it would be the second one. But if you're talking about a book, it would be the first one. I don't know. It sounds better the first way. <laughs> I prefer encyclopedias brown. Yeah. Postmasters general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what have we got today, Megan? What do we what do we have cooking on the hob? I have got so there are several entries about our late lamented Alia Atreides. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. And this week, what I have is the entry for Alia as goddess, quote the Ooh. womb of heaven. End quote. Okay, I, I still hate womb of heaven, but Alia oh, as gonna... goddess into it. You're gonna hate it more. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Just because they no. keep on being like womb of heaven, womb of heaven, womb of heaven. Oh, all right. Okay, I'm. I've been warned. All right. The first recorded cult of Alia was established uh, in 2019. I remember this podcast started. No, so, uh, in 109070. Members of this and succeeding cults should not be confused with those who worshipped Alia during her lifetime. The first group believed that Alia possessed a godhead of her own. The second saw her only as a reflected image of her brother, carrying on the work Muad'Dib had begun. While The Womb of Heaven, one of her most popular titles in life, was adopted by the cults, it took on far more hallowed connotation. Her lesser titles, including St. Alia of the Knife, were discarded. That's the cooler one, though. Yeah, I totally <laughs> agree. I would rather say Alia of the Knife than Womb of Heaven any day. Any day. The formation of the cults may well have been a reaction against the rule of the Lord Leto. Humanity by this... Who? Lord Leto? Like, since when do we call him that? Anyhow. <laughs> Little Lord Leto. Little... <laughs> well, that's what I'm calling him now. Humanity by this time understood that they were being ruled by a being who had outlived their most distant prosperity, and many found the idea repellent. Turning to the worship of an older, safely dead goddess was one way of rebellion <laughs> against the new deity. It could also be a dangerous one if word of an individual's membership in the cult got back to one of Leto's priests or priestesses. The heresy was not encouraged. Mm. The Book of Alia is believed to have been composed by Cirrus Nels, a failed candidate for the God Emperor Society of Priestesses. If you can't do. <laughs> Those who can't do, teach. Whether or not Nels was truly the author of the book, whoever wrote it had access to considerable historical data concerning both Alia and the rest of her family. Leto too included. This familiarity would point to authorship by someone affiliated with the religion of the God Emperor. By this point in Leto's reign, these were the only persons allowed access to the written histories, and the oral history did not contain the wealth of detail present in the book. All right. If you're denying access to information, Leto, <laughs> you're a cult yeah. leader. Yep. 
You're a cult leader. Do you also make them call every night and check in? Mm. <laughs> the cult's view of the relationship between Alia and her brother was unorthodox. Not that way. Not that way. I'll say. <laughs> Noting that Paul Atreides often denied his own divinity while not denying that of his sister, the Book of Alia offers its own interpretation. Uh, Muad'Dib, we see, was a messenger, a prophet. Great powers of divination and prophecy were his, but not for use on his own behalf. It was his glorious duty to prepare the way for the womb of heaven. If the seeker doubts this and would see Muad'Dib as a god in his own right, let the prophet's own life provide instruction. He was unaware at birth, an infant like any other. I like that now they're like, he was just a boring-ass baby. Yeah. Actually, I don't hate well, this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually converting as we speak. Uh, yeah. While some degree of prescience was within his power from his youth, not until Blessed Mother Jessica gave birth to his sister did he realize how dim were his feeble peerings into the future. He submitted <laughs> to the water of life to brighten them. Even with the knowledge of the future thus gained, he permitted himself to be blinded, made a widower, and abandoned to the desert, where he wandered for eleven years before his return to Arakeen and his execution by his sister's priests. Contrast this pitiable existence with that of Our Lady, divine and aware from her earliest months in the Blessed Mother's womb, dying only to return when the cleansing of her people is completed, and it can clearly be seen by all that Muad'Dib was no god. Woe to those who persist in believing that he was. This is boss, by the way. I, I actually kind <laughs> of love I kind of love this interpretation of like Maudid being sort of the John the Baptist type and, and yeah. Alia being the like the Messiah type. And you know, there's no reason why she couldn't have been. She was more exactly. like I think like she was more she was better with her prescience than he was. I mean yeah, she just like happened she to get possessed. Mm, yeah. On the subject of Alia's death, the book departs furthest from theological norms. It is now known that the body of Alia Atreides was removed from the courtyard of her temple following her suicidal leap and processed through the nearest death still. The water thus obtained was carried into the desert and allowed to evaporate in the fierce sun. The, this Fremen way of disposing of the water of one convicted of possession indicates the low opinion held of the regent at the time of her death. In the book of Alia, a far different explanation is given. Her servants, all unknowing, were performing the lady's will and ensuring that neither her body nor its water would be preserved. For when the time of trial is ended and the usurper removed from his position of slave master to her people, mm. the womb of heaven will return to sit in judgment over all in a divine form bearing no relation to that she occupied in life. Convenient. Oh, yeah. Reminders of that shell of flesh would serve no purpose. Kind of seems nature, like the. Nature... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just it's a great way to say like she's not going to look like herself. Say, she should be anybody. It sounds like the Missionara Protectiva at work there. It does. It's like they decided to write their own. Yeah, I love this idea of Leto as usurper. Yeah. Uh, the true nature of Alia Atreides, abomination, goddess, victim of history, may never entire be in entirely be known. The possibility exists, too, that she had no one distinct nature, and that Lady Alia was capable of encompassing each of the contradictory personalities with which she has been credited. In The Dune Catastrophe, Hark Alada makes this very point, citing the opinion of Ganima Atreides. My aunt chose her own course at many junctures, but the opportunity to choose was not always given her. 
Leto and I pitied her even as we feared her, and I believe that she often felt the same mix of emotions towards herself. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I want to join the cult of I flipped I mean, over from that screen cap on my phone immediately to a beautiful picture of a caftan I want to buy. And I'm like, I need this for my entry into the cult of Alia. Right. <laughs> Gotta get my caftan. Uh, yeah, that's great. I sort of love some of the, um, sort of the, like, the way that they've taken, like, myth and fact and sort of rolled it into one mess. And it's such classic ways of, well, yeah, she died, but that's what she wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. This is what she wanted so that she could appear in a completely different form at some point. But it's not going to happen for a while because Leto's going to live forever. And, you know, we're, right. we're just going to have to wait. Yeah. Like, her I brother kind of sucked and couldn't really see the future. And he was mm-hmm. just a regular baby. I think, though, that she would have approved of, you know, adhering to Fremen custom, even if her yes. water was evaporated. Like, I still think she oh, would have been yeah. okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But I do, I just love this idea that they're completely brushing aside Maudib because they're like, he was just this regular ass baby. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even learn how to do anything until his mom taught him. Alia was right that way. <laughs> Like, yep, Lady Gaga starts pumping out of the speakers. <laughs> Before Alia's every appearance, Born This Way starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> she comes out on the balcony. <laughs> it's a bop. Okay, everybody. She changes it according to her mood. After Duncan leaves, she's just playing Judas the whole time. Yeah, bad romance. Yes, that's on my, I believe that's on my Alia Duncan playlist that Fuck I can Spotify. Yes. I think I am think, 99% sure that Bad Romance is on there. That's so good. Right <laughs> well, sort of uh, not related to Alia as much, but definitely uh, related to Muad'Dib. This week, I have chosen the entry for the Gam Jabbar, our old pal. Mm. It is the Gam Jabbar or High-Handed Enemy which I love. <laughs> I actually love that descriptor, the high-handed enemy. It's so good. Uh, okay, yeah. The needle tipped with a drop of m- metacyanide, which was used by the Bene Gesserit proctors in the human awareness test. Okay. Most- <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. but it's just that's such a sci-fi. It's yeah. metacyanide. Yeah, I mean, that's how you make a thing sound more futuristic. You just put, like, a half a word, like, meta in front of it. or Hyper. Cryo. Hypercyanide. Ooh. Yeah. Cryocyanide. Look out. Yeah. Burr. A chilly death it would be. Um, Yeah, where was I? Uh, Benages at Proctors in the human awareness test most often administered to students at the Bene Gesserit school on Wallach 9. A single jab of the needle was sufficient to send the poison into its victim system. There is no known antidote, which is very mm. cool. <clears throat> and scary when you consider how the Bene Gesserits can, like, alter their body chemistry to counteract poisons. Mm. Uh, the awareness test was, on its face, exceedingly simple. 
The candidate was instructed to place her hand within a small box containing a number of nerve inducers. As soon as this was done, the proctor held a gamjabar at the candidate's neck and stated it would be used immediately if the candidate were to withdraw her hand from the box. We all know this. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the nerve inducers activated by the presence of the hand stimulated feelings of pain that began with mild discomfort and could continue if allowed to build through the most severe agony. The most common sensation was that of extreme heat as though the hand were being slowly roasted. Oh, oh, sorry, just the crux of the test, far more important than discovering the candidate could endure pain rather than invite certain death, was that it gave the proctor the opportunity to assess the student's reaction to stress. (laughs) Was <laughs> and you thought that your stress tests were bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's any happening. In- yeah, any increase or decrease in the student's rate of advancement within the sisterhood depended on the proctor's observations during the test. On rare occasions, when their importance to the Bene Gesserit indicated it, males were tested on the Gram Jabbar. Paul Atreides at age 15 was one of them. Uh, let's see. Aside from its literal use, the term Gamjabar was sometimes applied to a certain kind of individual as well. A person who, either for personal reasons or because of adroit manipulation, became an analog of the poison needle used against an enemy. Which I like. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Perhaps the best example of the phenomenon was Alia Atreides. See? <laughs> who as a child slew her maternal grandfather... Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Her final words to him on his, this occasion were reputed to have been, I'm sorry, Grandfather, you've met the Atreides Gamjabar. A pretty piece of irony because a poison needle was the weapon used. Aw, yeah. Aw, <laughs> yeah. I do like the, <laughs> like its usage as, like, to describe a person. Yeah. I love yeah. the way that that's sort of evolved. Yeah. Language. It's interesting. It's cool. It's good. We like it. (laughs) So, do we have new casting news this week? I don't know if we have. Well, I know that filming has begun. Yes. So that's that's exciting. exciting. I also want to apologize, since I know he listens, to Mm -hmm. Austin Butler for forgetting that he was on Shannara Chronicles, a show I did watch. (laughs) I saw an episode of that show, and I didn't hate it. It was just I didn't have the channel, so. I just, I forget why I was looking it up. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the theme song was on Spotify or something, and I was like, why do I know this song? So I googled (laughs) it, and I was like, all right, Shannara Chronicles. And then I was like, wait, Austin? Oh, <laughs> like looking at his face, looking at the character, yeah. looking at his. I'm like, that is that guy. I remember yeah. he looks. So, he because, looks different. Yeah, he does look different. But it was just funny at the time because, for anyone who was not aware, Shannara Chronicles was an MTV show based mm-hmm. on the Shannara series by Terry Brooks, and yeah, he. Uh, was in the first season and there was just a lot of like oh i gotta take my shirt off yeah <laughs> <I'm> so <laughs> was he the so main ripped. character in that like the main he guy was the main character that's what i thought yeah 
Yeah, it was just funny because it was just a lot of like, it was it was a pretty good show actually, all things considered, for the fact that it was on MTV and it was just like, why is this? This is weird. But um, yeah, he was Will Olmsford, and there was just a lot of him being like, I'm well, just a simple country boy. Well, like, I've seen oh, how I'm shredded. <laughs> I'm an ape. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, if you work on a farm, but no, I I've seen uh. Like the the Teen Wolf fans, like the the MTV show Teen Wolf. So like I know that I'm not gonna say shit about MTV original programming because those kids are very dedicated. I just don't. I'm very old, and I don't yeah. come from a time when MTV had shows that either weren't. No, there was when we when we were coming up, children. Mm-hmm. Um, MTV had. Well, blocks that were shows that showed music videos. Mm-hmm. And there were usually themed shows. People want to say, I see a lot of people being like, in my day, MTV only showed music videos. It's like, no, it didn't, unless you're like 50. Well, <laughs> I mean, Shh, in my day. Fifty. <laughs> I'm <Hush>. getting there. <laughs> um, but my point is that there were like we themed had, shows of videos. Yeah, like, you had now. Headbangers Ball. You yeah, had exactly. Yo! MTV Raps. Yeah. Uh, there was MTV News. Mm-hmm. The various reality shows, which at the time when I was a kid was just the real world. Just the real world. That was the first one. The first and reality show. Liquid television. Mm-hmm. Which was Liquid television was awesome. That you would, if you were me, stay up late to watch so your mm-hmm. mom wouldn't see five minutes of Eon Flux and ban yeah. you from the television. Possibly a boob, yeah. <laughs> Possibly a boob, death, definitely. Um, possibly an episode of The Max, which you didn't understand, but you were totally into <laughs> if you were me. Or uh, I, I think, were Beavis a bedhead? Did they start through liquid they television? They were on liquid television first, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't know why I remember this, <laughs> but I know I did this. The day that the television show The Max ended, mm-hmm. I wrote in my diary about it. <laughs> Oh, wow. Like, dear diary, the match ended today. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Were you so upset? I really was. I loved that show. Aww. It, like, really touched me. I was just like, I can't believe it's over. It was, I, was, and it was I actually have a, a time similar feeling. you didn't know mm-hmm. that stuff was going to end necessarily sometimes. Like, yeah. sometimes you would watch an episode of a show and be like, was that the end of the show? Yeah. Yeah. I actually was having similar, like, bouts of nostalgia the other day for The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which someone was a show on Nickelodeon uh, for slightly older kids, like maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of middle school to to high school age kids. But someone once described it to me as Twin Peaks for kids, and that is, like, the best descriptor of that show. It really was. It really, it's, it was so weird. And so original, and it had, like, just jam... Like, the music was so good. <laughs> that theme song is still slaps. Just amazing show. And I that, miss it. Yeah, no, that's a really good description of that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just... It's, it's just funny to me that I think sometimes everyone wants to say that MTV was always just 24-7 music videos, which it, wasn't. it was, but, like, very early on. Mm-hmm. And then there were only like ten music videos. So. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, there's only so many times you can see Devo's Whip It. It's a great song. Don't get me wrong. And it's a... It's a great song. It's a great video, too, but... That was definitely a video that, as a kid, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to watch that music video. <laughs> it was weird, wasn't it? I was definitely always like, I'm not sure if this is, like, allowed. Yeah, because he's, get in like, trouble. using the whip to pull that lady's clothes off slowly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, I like this song, but I'm not quite sure what's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 80s were a weird time. Music videos... Are, I mean, there are still some good ones, but mm. I I have, I love music videos, but like... I do too. Of like 20 years ago. Oh God, not even 30. 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember sh- like... Show me a music video better than Bad Girl by Madonna or... I was going to say, I would drug. do anything for love by yes. Milo. Oh, that is beautiful. one of the great... Or... Wow. or uh, it, while we're on Jen Simon, uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. That video is It's fucking wild. <laughs> it's so wild. It's got schoolboys with glowing eyes. <laughs> it's got ninjas. Football players. It's, yes. It's got everything. And also on the same, same kick, the video for uh, It's All Coming Back to Me Now Oh where yeah, her love interest dies in a motorcycle accident and then haunts mm-hmm. their house also on a motorcycle, which I find rude. <laughs> like, Very. Dude, don't bring it in here. <laughs> so many motorcycles because I would do anything for love has a lot of motorcycle oh, yeah. imagery. A lot as well. of motors. Yeah, they make their monstrous getaway on a motorcycle when they're running from cops? Like, question random, mark. Like, <laughs> random brides of Dracula. Yeah, there are. <laughs> they don't take that with them. Nope. <laughs> it is such a weird fucking video. If I love it so much. you never see the music video for I Would Do Anything for Love, parentheses, but I won't do that. I won't do that. <laughs> By Meatloaf. Please, yeah. please look it up and watch it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's 25 minutes of your life. It's not really, but it, I mean, it's very long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a long one. And I think it's like a 12 minute video, maybe. I think there's definitely a, a cut of it that's at least six minutes long. Mm-hmm. It has more of a beginning. Yeah. Uh, that's the one I showed to Brian, and he was instantly <laughs> obsessed. That's how you proposed. Like, he was like, this is the best <laughs> song ever. Well, I mean, I did not propose. <laughs> I was okay, I was the one that was like, propose. we don't need to get married. And he was like, oh, yes, we do. <laughs> He's like, I saw this music video, this meatloaf yeah. music video, and I said, love is real. <laughs> if, if if a hot lady who's lip syncing to something a less hot lady is singing and making love to a monster man who may or may not be meatloaf, then God damn it, our love is end. real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what a fucking Beauty and the Beast story that is. You're what like, if she's oh, disappointed? Okay. I she's mean, like, oh, you're just a guy. We all, we all had that feeling when we watched that Beauty and the Beast cartoon. Like all girls oh did. God. I'm sorry, nobody preferred the prince to the beast. No, he turns around, and you're like, oh, oh, he's just a dude. Uh. <laughs> okay. Also, he yeah. just fully murdered a man. Just yeeted him. 
Yep. <laughs> but he deserved it. Oh, but romance is real, so. Romance is real, and. You know, and love. on the other side of that coin, I will also say, go watch any Reba McIntyre video, and you any. will be entertained. Any. It doesn't them. matter and, what yeah. song it is. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter They're, they're all club bangers. They're all the best. I mm-hmm. strongly, I will always, always recommend Does He Love You. Yes. Oh, my God. Is that the one where the the boat blows up at the yes! end? <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> the outfits in that video are bananas. It's oh, just that doesn't she wear, glam? like, a wild, like, hat? It was 90s. That was 90s. Oh, that's, but yes. that's right. You're right. It was, like, ni- uh-huh. it's like 91. Because so that we came still... out around the same time as Lori Morgan's Something in Red. And uh, I yeah. was obsessed with both of those videos. They're... Yeah, she there's a scene where she watches her husband like macking on his mistress and yeah. she's wearing like a hat that has with a veil. Like but it's like cloth, so it's like a wimple yeah. attached to like a shawl. Mm-hmm. With a brooch. Yep. And it's like, how could you cheat on this woman? Look at her. I mean, she is class personified. Right. And she's gonna blow up your boat. Yeah. She's going to do it. <laughs> you fucked up, son. That's all I can say. Whoops. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a great song, though. That's oh, a fantastic song. Reba, <laughs> we love you. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for the week. I think so. Go look up some music videos. Go listen to Reba McIntyre. Please. Uh, this is a pro Reba podcast. Oh, my God. Very pro. <laughs> Very pro Reba. Yes. Well, uh, until next week, as you know, you can find us over at thespool.net where Megan and I both write about movies and television. And we both got some stuff up there now, I think, mm-hmm. or more stuff coming. So I don't know. Just go look at the spool. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, you should read everybody. <laughs> We're on Twitter, on Instagram, kind of, uh, but mostly on Twitter. You can find us there. Chat at us. We love to talk to you guys. Rate and review on iTunes. Five stars is great, but whatever you can give, also great. (laughs) I mean, they don't cost anything, so why not give us five stars, right? (laughs) Come on. I mean, so so I can't read out loud to save my life. I'm still entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we're nice. Yeah, but uh, until next time, everybody, be nice. Take Take your your spice. Goodbye. Extra silly goodbye for you.